0: so we're going to read from god's word at the moment um and it's uh, from the book of daniel um from chapter 2 uh, verses 1 to 13. so that's uh a uh, book of daniel chapter 2 verses 1 to 13. in the second year of his reign nebuchadnezzar had dreams his mind was troubled and he could not sleep so the king summoned the magicians enchanters sorcerers, and astrologers, to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I have had a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king, May the king live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, This is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Once more they replied, Let the king tell his servants the dream and we will interpret it. Then the king answered, I am certain that you are trying to gain time, because you realize that this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there is only one penalty for you. You have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. So then, tell me the dream, and I will t- I will know that you can interpret it for me. The astrologers answered the king. There is no one on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among humans. This made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon, So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death, and men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death.
1: Well, good day everyone. It's terrific to be here again this week. I hope you've got your Bibles open still at Daniel chapter 2, because we're going to have a look at the next installment in our story of Daniel tonight. Well, I've got a question for you. When you have times of trouble, what's your first reflex? Now... Uh, I thought to help illustrate this question, I thought I might uh, share with you a time where I was here at the factory and I was in a bit of a rush, I was running a bit late and I had my backpack on and I got myself a coffee and I was, uh, didn't uh, take into account how long the coffee would take to, to make, so um, I didn't factor that in. So I was rushing to a meeting and I was running up the stairs of the factory, which probably wasn't a sensible thing to do in the first place. But as I was running up the stairs, I misstepped and I started to fall. Now, in a split second, I had to make a judgment. Am I going to let go of my coffee and spill it and hold onto the rail on the stairs as I'm going up? Or do I try and see if I can somehow balance myself and turn around and sort of break my fall a bit so I don't spill my coffee? Well, in an instant, I made that decision to try and save my coffee. And so I kind of tried to do a bit of a roll, but I ended up putting my left elbow down, Uh, to break my fall and the full weight of my fall was taken on my left elbow and I landed on the stair with my first um, movement and I landed on the elbow and oh man did it hurt I I don't know to this day if I actually broke it or chipped the bone or something like that but uh, probably a year later my elbow still hurts every now and again it still aches every now and again so basically I made the wrong decision because what I should have done is dropped the coffee and held onto the rail my first instinct wasn't correct My first instinct was see if I could actually manage the situation myself instead of reaching out to hold on to something stable that was going to be able to break my fall. And to this day, every now and again, like I said, when my elbow aches, I regret that decision. I think I should have actually held on to the rail. And it actually became a thought for me. It became clear that in order to grab onto the rail, I needed to let go of something else. I needed to let go of the coffee in order to hold onto the rail, but I wasn't willing to let go of the coffee. Now, the reason I tell that story today is because Daniel is in a situation where he needs to actually act instinctively. He needs to act really quickly and he actually needs to react to a trouble that is brewing and he needs to make the right decision straight away about where he's going to put his trust. Is he going to put his trust in his own wisdom to try and work out how to manage a really difficult situation on his own? Or is his first instinct going to be to reach out to God and to trust in his wisdom and strength and his support so that he doesn't fall and he doesn't become injured by the terrible situation he's in? Well, let's pick up the story in Daniel chapter one, uh, chapter two, rather, in verse one. In chapter two, verse one, this is what we read In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams and his mind was troubled and he could not sleep. And as we heard in the reading, the king's first reaction to this troubling situation he was in was to reach out to his wise advisors in his temple court or in his, in, his, in his court. So, in verse 2, the king summons the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the astrologers, all of the wise men of the Babylonian court, those who'd been trained and worked out the wisdom of the Babylonian uh, system, to tell him what he dreamed. Now, cleverly, The king doesn't actually start off by asking these wise men what the dream meant. He doesn't go out and tell them the dream. He actually wants to make sure they actually have true wisdom. And so what he does is he says, I want you to tell me what the dream is first, and then I want you to tell me the interpretation. So he says in verse three, I've had a dream and it troubles me and I wanna know what it means. The astrologers know that they've got their limits. They know that they're not gonna be able to guess the dream of the king by any means. As they say later, actually, no human being is able to do that. But in verse 4, the astrologers answer the king and they say, May the king live forever. Tell your servants the dream. And we will interpret it. See what they're doing there? They're very clever. They're saying to the king, first of all, by flattery, You are a great king. We want to honor you. We want to do what you want us to do. We, we, we need, however, for you to tell us the dream and then we'll interpret it. Now, they're clever because if he tells them the dream, they're going to be able to make up anything and make it sound like they know what they're talking about. But the king is onto them. In verse five, he, he says, no, no, this is what I firmly decided. If you do not tell me what the dream is first and then interpret it, I'll cut you to pieces and I'll have, have your houses turned into piles of rubble. This is a brutal age. This king is all-powerful in the context of the Babylonian court, and he has the power over life and death over these people, these astrologers, these um, uh, wise people. And he's saying, if you don't tell me the dream first, I'm going to up the stakes now. You tell me the dream and then interpret it, or I'll have you killed. You'll be executed, and I'll actually destroy all your houses as well, everything you own. But they again say to the king, please tell us the dream and we'll interpret it king answers again you're actually starting to make me angry verse 9 he goes on and says unless you tell me the dream again there is one penalty and i will have you executed and then they go again one more time please tell us what the dream is there is no one as i said earlier they say no one on earth can tell the king what he asks No king, however, great or mighty, has ever demanded such a thing of anybody. It's too difficult. We honestly can't tell you what the dream is. You need to tell us first and then we'll interpret it. Well, the king is furious. In verse 12, he goes on to say, that's it. I'm ordering the execution of all the wise men in the court of Babylon. Now, that is a horrendous order. Like that is a fully incredible, powerful Man who's angry and able to throw the full weight of his anger and his power against these wise men. And the issue, he issues rather a decree that goes out that all the wise men should be put to death. Now, as we said last week in chapter one, we learnt that when the king had invaded Israel, uh, Jerusalem, he had captured the uh, wise young men of Israel uh, Judah and he'd brought them to his court, and Daniel and his friends were amongst those. And last week, we learned that as they were young men, they were being trained to become like these other wise men, these astrologers and and these other wise men. And so Daniel and his friends, however, last week refused to eat the food of the court because they refused to be the kind of wise men that the other wise men were. They were actually going to continue to maintain their identity as Jewish uh, men who honored God above everything else rather than the gods of the Babylonians. So. This distinction, however, isn't playing into the king's mind. Daniel and his mates are actually going to be rounded up and executed along with everybody else. Now, we see Daniel's response to this in verse 14. When the king's guard comes to arrest Daniel, Daniel speaks to him, and unlike the astrologers and the wise men of the Babylonian court, he acts with wisdom and tact. Rather than desperation and trying to trick the king into telling them the dream, Daniel actually acts with wisdom and tact. And so in verse 15, he says, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? He says this to the guard. And when he was told, Daniel goes to the king in verse 16, and he asks the king that he might have some time to interpret the dream. Now, the reason that Daniel's asked for some time is he, like the other wise men of the Babylonian court, knows that he can't work out what the dream is himself he's just a human being what uh, what human being can read the thoughts of somebody else let alone be able to know what another person's dreaming but Daniel knows who can read the thoughts of people and Daniel, Daniel knows who can interpret dreams and it is God and so he goes back to his friends and he says to his friends we need to plead for mercy from God the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he might actually reveal the dream to us and we might not be executed. Now, Daniel has actually had the right reflex. The wise men of the Babylonian court are a little bit like me when I've got my coffee and I'm falling on the stair and I'm like trying to save myself. They actually are worshipping gods that are no real gods at all. Gods that don't speak, gods that don't see, gods that don't actually give wisdom, and they've created this this mythology around themselves to make themselves look as though they're wise, but really they're not. And their first reflex was to save themselves, to try and save the situation themselves, trick the king into telling them what the dream is. But Daniel is not like me on the stairs. He's willing to let go of the prestige of the court in order to hold on to the firm wisdom of God. And so he differentiates himself from the other wise men at the court. He lets go of the privilege and the honor that he has as a wise man in the Babylonian court. And he falls on his knees before the living God who sees and listens and knows and has all authority and all power. And he holds on to that wisdom and it doesn't disappoint him. God, in verse 19, hears his prayer and actually gives Daniel mercy because what he does is he actually reveals the mystery of the dream to Daniel. So this is the high point in the chapter, verse 19. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision, and then Daniel praised the God of heaven. And in verse 19 to 24, Daniel sings a song to God, just extolling his power and his virtue. So what is this mystery? Well, before we get on to what the actual dream is, What we are told is that Daniel goes into the court of the king to tell him the dream. But before he tells him the dream, he wants the king to know that it's not Daniel himself who is wise, who is able to determine the dream, but Daniel has gone to God and asked God for wisdom. So not only has Daniel saved himself by trusting in the wisdom of God, by holding on to the secure wisdom of God, he also wants to show the king how the king might actually gain real security if he also trusts in Daniel's God as well so in verse 25 to 31 he says to the king that he is actually interpreting the dream he knows the dream he's going to interpret the dream because it's God himself who reveals mysteries and this is what he says in verse 28 there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries now I want to pause at that moment I want to ask you this question when you go through times of trouble is your first reflex To remember that there is a God in heaven and that he reveals mysteries. Are you willing to put your trust in the almighty God in all the things of your life? Now, there's been much said about the disruption in our lives at the moment about COVID. And many things I see online or on TV or here on the radio are people actually taking stock of their lives. They're using this time in COVID to actually sit back and think, what what am i doing with my life what's important to me i'm hearing people on tv saying you know i'm actually reflecting and thinking like while work is important my family is actually the most important thing in my life and i really need to change the way i live even after covid is finished because during this time of covid i've spent more time with my children we've played more board games we've had more times talking we sit around the table and eat together as a family before this time of isolation I was always too busy to do those things and now I've realized oh, I've misplaced my attention into things that aren't actually as important as my family. Well, I think this time is also a time for us to think about our own spiritual disciplines, for us to actually take stock of our lives and remember that God is real. There is a God in heaven and he reveals mysteries. That we need to build our relationship with God. We need to actually take time out of our day every day to spend time listening to him as he reveals the mysteries of life to us, as he helps us to discern how to live in this world. And so this is what Daniel is saying to King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, he says he has shown the king, God has shown the king, what will happen in the days to come, your dream and the visions that have passed through your mind while you were lying in bed. And he says this, King, here is the dream. Verse 31 to 35. Basically, King, I know that in your dream, you saw a large statue. It was grand and dazzling, and it was made of different kinds of metal. And the top of the statue was made of gold, and the bottom was made of different metals, but the feet of the statue had iron and clay. But then that huge statue that was made out of all these different kinds of metal, while you were watching, verse 34, he says, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands, and it struck the statue on its feet that was made of iron and clay and smashed them. And then the whole statue fell down. But the whole rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. Now the king at this point, presumably sitting on his throne as he's listening to Daniel telling him what the dream was, has leaned forward and he's amazed. Remember, he was so angry at the wise men because they claimed they couldn't actually possibly tell him what the dream was that he was going to have them all executed. And now he's hearing this wise man who is a Jewish man who follows God say that his God, who's different to the gods of the Babylonians, who are no gods at all, but the real true God who is in heaven, who reveals mysteries, has now laid bare to Daniel the mystery of this dream. And because Daniel's been able to tell him the dream, the king is now willing to listen to the interpretation. And this is the interpretation that God has given Daniel about the dream. And it's found in verses 36 to 35. Basically, Daniel says to the king, King, the golden head on the statue represents you and your kingdom, Babylon. And the other parts of the statue that are made of different kinds of metal represent the kingdoms that will follow you. The two things to remember from this king is, first of all, You are only king because God himself has placed you on the throne. He has more authority than you have. But when you forget the authority that you have comes from God, you act as though you are God. And as a result, you act terribly and you oppress people and you actually conduct yourself with injustice. But God sees all that. And because of the injustice of your kingdom, one day your kingdom will come to the end. And it will be replaced by another kingdom representing the other metal in the statue. But there are four kingdoms that follow and all the kingdoms will actually come to an end from the same reason that your kingdom will come to an end. In fact, the last part of the image where a rock that was hewn from a mountain, not by human hands, comes and smashes the feet of the statue that are made of clay and iron. It's because the last kingdom will be divided symbolized by the fact that it's made out of clay and iron and it will be smashed by the rock and that rock actually represents a future kingdom that will come and turn into a mountain that will be everlasting fill the whole earth and actually be grander than the statue and it will last forever unlike the statue basically what Daniel is doing here is he's showing the king that God is in heaven and that he is the one who reveals mysteries and that he will judge this kingdom. And one day, even though other kingdoms will follow, they will all come to an end because he himself will bring them to an end. Basically, what Daniel's doing here is he's prophesying the coming of the true king who one day will come and replace all human kingdoms with a heavenly kingdom. And that heavenly kingdom will last forever. And unlike the other kingdoms, it will be a kingdom of justice where the rain will be good And basically, Daniel is predicting the coming of Jesus as king who will come to save us from all injustice and save us from our own sin. The things that we perpetrate on others that are wrong, Jesus is willing to pay for on the cross. And when he dies on the cross and rises to new life, he will actually pay for all the sin of those who put their faith in him. And as a result of that, Jesus's kingdom will reign forever and ever. Remember that Jesus himself said when he first came to begin his preaching, he's recorded in Mark chapter 1 verse 14 as saying this. He says, I have come to bring in the kingdom of heaven. Repent and believe. In other words, I am the new king who is coming to bring in this new kingdom. I will be putting an end to all the earthly kingdoms one day and I will reign forever. If you want to be a part of that heavenly kingdom, put your faith in me. That is the true and strongest support that we have in life. And in order to reach out and hold on to that promise that Jesus gives us, we need to sometimes let go of other things. We need to actually consider during this time of isolation, what are we putting our trust in? When things go wrong in our life, where do we reach out to? Is reaching out to Jesus your first reflex? Or is it the second thing that you do after you've tried to save yourself all the time? A practical way of putting this into practice, I think, is to remember two things. First of all, back in Daniel chapter 2, 46 to 49, even King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel after he heard this. He was willing to humble himself and honour the God who is in heaven, who reveals mysteries. He says in verse 47, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and the revealer of mysteries, for you will able to reveal this mystery to me. Even Nebuchadnezzar recognized that he'd been putting his faith in the wrong thing. Trying to solve the dream himself, looking to his own Babylonian wise men, was like trying to hold on to the coffee as he falls. Because the dream has troubled him. He's actually let go of the wise men in his court and trusted in Daniel because Daniel has actually proved to him that God is true. And even Nebuchadnezzar reaches out and holds on to the wisdom and the hope that God can offer us. As a result, he raises Daniel up to a high position, and he and his friends became members of the royal court and remained so. That's the first thing, to recognize that we can actually let go of other things that we have been making idols of in order to trust in the Lord. It's not a bad thing to have money and a house and family and friends and work and all the other things that we rely on for security. But if we rely on them first and foremost and put most of our effort and time into things of this world one day they will disappoint us and they will not be able to save us in eternity so what the lesson of daniel is teaching us today is to trust god in the little things of life now turn to him in our troubles but also in our good times so that we might actually continue to grow our relationship with god And when things go wrong, it's important for us to talk to God first, bring our troubles to Him. And it's still a good idea to, uh, you know, if, if you were to get sick during this time of COVID, to go and get tested, to go to the hospital, to trust in the ventilators that the doctors have that can actually aid us and look after us. But in our efforts to make sure that we stay safe in eternity, to remember to pray, To remember to be trusting in God, because after all, God has given us all the medicine that we have in our society. To be turning to him and trusting in him during this time is a great opportunity for us to learn to do that even better than we were doing it before COVID. A good summary of how we might think about this in times to come is that we make sure that no matter what happens to us in our lives, that we always try and do what is right that we don't cut corners in order to try and save ourselves. Don't try and hold on to that cup of coffee as you fall and then hope that your elbow might be able to support you as you fall onto a stair. Be willing to let go of things in your life that you might be holding on too tightly in order to trust in the Lord. In doing right, sometimes the short term is not always helpful. Sometimes by admitting that you can't do everything, you may feel a little bit embarrassed. You may not be able to present to everybody all the time a facade that you have everything under control. But maybe if you are willing to be humble like Nebuchadnezzar and willing to recognize that God is God and you are not, that you might be able to share that the true source of your strength doesn't come from yourself, but actually comes from the living God. I pray that as the weeks and months ahead continue to be a little bit insecure and uncertain for us, that we will lean more heavily on God. Day by day and week by week. One way.
0: Thanks again for listening to the Soul Revival Church podcast. And just a reminder, if you want to watch any of these services that we hold live you can go to soulrevivalchurch.com and you can see all the gatherings at the top of the page you can choose anyone you wish it can be on friday saturday or sunday thanks again and one way music is okay by Ixon.